welcome back and thanks for tuning in to Oil & Gas Onshore, where I am on a relentless pursuit to bring value, unity, and information to the energy industry one conversation at a time. So sit back, relax, and remember that even this very device you're listening on requires some form of hydrocarbon. This episode is brought to you by our new sponsor for the Oil & Gas Onshore podcast. A big shout out to Technip FMC, a company who truly represents the future of the oil and gas industry. Hey everyone, look, not only do you get awesome weekly content by listening, now you've got a chance to win some serious swag brought to you by Technip FMC. Each week, one lucky listener will win a bundle of gear, which includes everything I'm about to list. Seriously, everything. An audio duffel bag, a Yeti tumbler, an executive power bank power charger, a Columbia neck gator, and a set of Ace Pods 2.0, which are the true wireless Bluetooth earbuds. All you got to do is click the link in the show notes and enter your information to win. Simple. Now go get your swag on. Awesome. Welcome to this week's episode. I'm here at the Canon with Caroline, aka Carly McNeilis, Key Business Development Manager for Service Technologies Americas at Technip FMC. Carly, how you doing this beautiful, what is it today? Wednesday. Wednesday, Wednesday yeah. morning. Short week. Yeah, it me is. Off. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Everything's going good so far this Everything's week? Everything's good so far. Well, first of all, obviously everyone out there, you probably heard me say we're here at the Canon. We finally managed to have a podcast in person. Things are somewhat getting back to normal. And I got to give it up to Carly. She's the one who said, you know what? I have two big dogs at home and let's just do this in person because there is a good chance that someone would be barking in the background. Yeah. <laughs> You know, and it's just nice to be able to get out now. So, yeah. And you mentioned you have kids too? Yeah, two kids. Okay. One and a half year old and a three year old, boy okay. and girl. Nice. So we have our hands full. Yeah, two big dogs. The kids are in, in daycare and the dogs are at home with me. So okay. they make some appearances on conference calls every once in a while. I bet. Well, you know, what's funny is like, you know, talking to other people within the industry and, and just other professionals that do a lot of work from home and who have the opportunity to, you know, Zoom or Teams or whatever it is, whatever platform. But yeah, you, you hear stories like I, I did a podcast with a gentleman from Gyro Data and he was saying that he had, you know, he had a presentation with his company to give to a customer and, you know, it wasn't an informal presentation by any means. And he had his daughter home at the time and she's like one and like every day nap time was consistent. You know, he knew right. He knew from like one to three or whatever time frame it was he had that like he was totally good. Well, he said he put her down. Everything was good. And within like two minutes within the presentation, he heard screaming. And so he had a, okay, everyone, time out. I got to go get my daughter back down. And it's just like, you know, it's funny, but that's the reality. And while some people hopefully don't get too upset, you know, especially whether it's customers or even people within the organization, but that's the reality. So if, for all the parents, you know, including yourself, a big shout out to all the efforts being made to try and make this thing work. And with regards to that, I mean, are you back at the office or what does that look like for no, you guys right now? No, so I have a funny story about that too. The okay, let's first, hear it, The please. first week of COVID, my little one had a fever. And so, of oh, course, no. you know, first week of lockdown, right? And so I'm calling daycare and I'm like, do you guys, do you even know what your policy is now? I mean, shout out to them because they've been open this whole time and supporting us, which has been awesome. Oh, that's huge. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, they're like, oh, gosh, hold on. Let's call headquarters and we'll find out. So then they're like, okay, it's still 24 hours. You know, it's since bumped to 72. So I get on my first conference call in the morning and I'm working with them at home. And my husband's like, I'll be home by one. I, you know, I just got around and see some people and then I'll be home. Yeah. So I get on my first conference call and I like try to put them in the corner, distract them. And I don't even know what I was thinking, but we have this like craft bucket of all these different things. And 
there's a bucket of probably 10,000 pom-poms. So I'm like, it's fine. They'll just line them up or separate the colors. It's a one and three year old. They're not going to do that. Let's be honest. Hey, I get it. Trust me. (laughs) So yeah. So I look over and they've, in two seconds, they're dumped all over the oh. floor. I'm like, okay, mm-hmm. well, this is how today's going to go. Let's yeah. just roll with it. <laughs> yeah, you have to, right? And it, yeah. I mean, if that's not a distraction, I don't know what is. And so I have a one and a half year old. Well, he'll be turning two here in a month. And then my daughter's turning five. And so the same thing. I mean, they don't do daycare, but they're in pre-K now. Yeah. So, you know, it gives us, you know, most of the week during the day. But I mean, for the f- first part of quarantine, it was them. And then my wife, bless her heart, trying to entertain them. And yeah, they were in and out of my calls and podcasts. And I mean, it just became normal. And and at first it was tough, but then I kind of got used to it. And everyone, you know, you adapt, right? And so I feel like, you know, people that are on the calls with you, they they appreciate it to see, you know, Mm -hmm. you're you're going through the same things they're going through Mm -hmm. and they can relate. You're human. You know, you're not just a work. Yeah. Workaholic. Right. Yeah. And it's, it's, you know, and granted, I get it. Some people will put like the fake background in, but it's always interesting to see like (laughs) the home dynamic, you know, like, yeah, yeah, it makes it a little bit more real when you're seeing someone stuck in their kid's playroom with toys in the back (laughs) and they're there with like a nice buttoned up shirt ready to go to work. And it's like, you're literally in the middle of a, like a disaster and you're (laughs) still trying to maintain a level of professionalism on zoom. Like, yes, you know, that's what it's all about. And so Again, it's been an interesting ride. 2020 has been nuts. But before we get going, I just actually want to mention and highlight some fascinating technology provided by our sponsor, Technip FMC. So Technip FMC's FrackNow ecosystem leverages flexible pipe, automation, advanced digital technology to deliver greater operational efficiency, increased uptime, lower non-productive time, remote operations, access automation, and real-time data logging are just a few of the benefits. Find out more by clicking the link in the show notes. And there's actually some interesting technology that we're going to talk about later, but so don't let me forget because that's actually some really cool stuff you guys are doing. But anyway, so I'm glad we got to do this in person. And for the most part, so like what you do at Technip FMC, is a lot of it still remote or like are you guys able to go back to the office or? Yeah, so we can go back to office if we want. Cool. We're at 25% capacity, I think, right now. They really haven't made it mandatory. I went back in to grab some equipment at my docking station probably about a month ago. Mm-hmm. And I think I saw two people. And those are mostly the people that live near the office. I'm about 45 minutes away. So it's oh, not, wow. not as easy of a commute, but I do miss the commute. Yeah. <laughs> my husband's like, you're crazy. Right. <laughs> but no, I, you know, I listen to podcasts and audiobooks and stuff. So I miss that part for sure. Yeah. But yeah, no, I'm still working from home. Probably won't be back in the office until January is, you know, what they're thinking. Okay. You know, our safety team, that's a huge priority to make sure everyone's healthy and comfortable and they don't want to push anyone. So, you know, that's kind of the logistics right now. Yeah. No, I can identify with regards to the commute because for me, like the one thing I've had the biggest challenges with is going from work mode to dad mode or like work mode to husband mode. And like in doing it in a flip of a dime, it's hard. I didn't ever really realize that, but I really now value the time going from the office to home. And while it was only 35, 40 minutes, like you said, it was listening, it was kind of decompressing listening to an audiobook or similar to you, I listen to a lot of podcasts and some of them are oil and gas related. Some of them are not. Some of them are purely just for entertainment value because, you know, during the day it's all intense and then, you know, you need something to just kind of, you know, let your mind go. And so not having that, I found like I was very kind of like just tight from working all day and then my kids would want to play and I'd still be kind of wound up. And so my wife would finally be like, you need to go for a walk. Like when you're done, like, yeah. 
go for a walk, like take some deep breaths because you come out of your office like wound up like a bag of ropes. Like, <laughs> can you just relax and before you come and like start yelling at our daughter because she did something that normally you wouldn't care about and which is not that bad, but like I can tell just my patience is short. And yeah. so it's it's doing those types of things. Have you adopted any kind of like routines like that you normally wouldn't yeah. have done? Or? Yeah. So, you know, we switch off depending on who's working a little bit later or whatnot, but we probably have a five minute drive to daycare, pick up the kids, come home. And then normally we get a snack and we're outside even in the heat, but it just kind of, you know, they get to run around, play all the little kids on our street have the power wheels oh yeah so there's probably like six of them going around the cul-de-sac <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so you know i can watch that chaos a little bit decompress talk some of the other parents some and uh yeah you know, then that's our little break before we get into in our face in the house close proximity no trying to calm down for dinner <laughs> yeah i like that too actually we spend we try and spend a lot of time outside and our kids they love the heat they doesn't bother them and so it's nice because I find that the more they're inside cooped up, like the crazier things get. And so we really make an effort to go outside. And my wife and I, before actually this all happened, we built a mud kitchen. And so they got like all these things outside and it's and it's great. And yeah, I'm just super thankful that I have a yard, you know, and blessed to have one. Because a lot of people, if you're, you know, if you're in a condo or if you're in a you know situation where you just don't have the you know, the opportunity to go outside, I could imagine how challenging that must be. No, so yeah. if anyone's condo or apartment living, I, <laughs> I, I, I give you some serious credit because that must be, that must be tough. And then you said you got two dogs. What kind of dogs do you have? I have two Labradoodles. We got them both before kids. Okay. Um, I grew up with labs, but I'm a little bit allergic. So okay. we went to the Labradoodle and they're so smart, super sweet, loving, smart, okay. big loud barks, which is good. Yeah. <laughs> Scare people away. Yeah. You need that for yeah. sure. Yeah. Home defense, right? Yeah. yeah. No, good. Very good with kids. Okay. Sure. Super smart. And you've always been a dog lover. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. That's I would. Good. I'm not really a cat person more because I'm mostly allergic. You're not to a cat them. lady. No. no? <laughs> I have a friend that is for sure. She's nice. like I think 15. <laughs> I feel like people who love cats often don't just have one, but they they, they they normally have like five or six. Which so my economics professor in the school that I'm doing right now, she does her video lectures, and in the background he, she has all her cats, and she's like the crazy cat lady economist. And while I love her to death because she's just such a great professor. She's a little quirky and she's Miss Cat Lady and she embraces it too. She just loves it. They have their own personalities. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. No, I'm a dog person. <laughs> I hear you. I'm not too good with dogs. I'll be honest with you. I just haven't had good luck with dogs. I tried getting one in college to help me get by the t- the, the lonely nights and that didn't last very long. And then we tried getting a pit bull and that didn't last very long here in Houston and when it comes to pets in general, I guess I'm not that great because I accidentally <laughs> killed my daughter's fish. So I am not good with pets. So I don't know how you have kids without having a dog because with the amount of stuff they throw on the floor, I mean, it's like their own little vacuum. Yeah. So we, so my wife had a dog before we even met and Heidi was the dog's name. She survived for almost 20 years. Anyway, so she moved from Canada down here with us and yeah, there was always a clean floor and you know, and then so... Yeah, it was interesting because when we had kids, Heidi had unfortunately passed away before then. But we all, we often say if we had a dog, we would not have to sweep eight times mm-hmm. a day. And so for dogs, for that reason, I can see the value. Um, <laughs> and yeah, because the amount of sweeping and vacuuming that we do right now, you know, our time could be like definitely reduced doing that if we had a dog. So that's definitely a benefit. My wife keeps bugging me about getting a dog and I'm just not a big pet person. I just like I can barely take care of myself. I know I can take care of my kids probably better than myself, but a dog, 
uh, again, I don't know. So we'll see. But my <laughs> daughter keeps bugging me about getting another fish. I'm like, well, Royce, the last time we had a fish, I didn't clean the tank the way I was supposed to. And I accidentally killed your fish. So are you sure you want a dog? And uh, we're, we're having this, this family, you know, debacle right now. But I'm sure Royce will get what she wants. She normally does. <laughs> anyway, moving on. So one thing I always do when I interview people is I always look at their LinkedIn. And I would say 99% of people normally have, you know, that they're in a career, let's say for more than 10 years or five, typically have went from one company to the next and, you know, given opportunities. But I noticed for you, you've spent your whole time at FMC, you started with FMC, then Technip FMC. That speaks a lot of the culture. And so that's one thing that really kind of interested me is, is, can you walk me through you know, how you got working there and then really what's kept you there? Because that's nowadays is very unheard of. Yeah. And so I, I'm curious about that. So I'm third generation oil and gas. Mm. My grandfather worked for Conoco, hired after World War II for, to clear landmines in North Africa. Wow. And then started running seismic data. So, you know, my mom kind of grew up around that. And then both my parents were geologists for ExxonMobil, legacy Exxon before they merged. Yeah. And they spent their whole careers there. And that's, you know, kind of where I've gotten that stability from. You know, they said if you find something that you're happy with and you enjoy going to work every day and it's not a job, then stay there. You yeah. Know, embrace it. And then also the culture at Technium PFNC, you know, I've been in engineering until the past two months, three months, when I just recently moved to sales. Cool. And we have the best engineers. Not speaking of myself necessarily. <laughs> yes, you are. It's okay. <laughs> Caroline loves Caroline. We can tell. <laughs> no, I've had really, really fantastic mentors. Started as an intern in the R&D group. Did a lot of testing on the equipment. You know, know the ins and outs and what makes it and how it fails. And then moved into kind of a product portfolio role for a couple months before the last downturn. Mm -hmm. Then into applications and quotations. Fantastic engineering manager and mentor there. Actually, my mentor when I was an intern ended up being my boss in that new role. Okay. Loved that position. You know, get to learn the technology everywhere. Quoting for North America. So Canada, Alaska, all the different shale plays. Every market, every shale play has its own unique system that they're drilling with and customers and how they operate. Yeah. So that's really cool. Kind of just a little puzzle. And the people are just just great people. So right. really, really enjoyed it. Yeah. No, it's, it's a common theme. I mean, I've interviewed a few folks now from Technip FMC. And the common denominator is just, like you said, the people and the culture and, and just the opportunity, I feel like, you know, with such a large corporation, there's obviously so many arms to different business units. And there's just, there's so much opportunity internally, which it seems like Technip FMC really embraces that professional growth. And that's one thing that like, I just can't, I mean, applaud them hard enough for, because it's just everyone that I've talked to that's worked there has either been there forever because of that, or has jumped on board with them and said, this is awesome. Like I couldn't see myself anywhere else. So yeah, you know, a huge shout out to Technip FMC. So where are you from originally? I was born in Midland. Okay. But only lived there for a little, like 12 months. Moved to Houston, like I said, oil and gas family. Yeah. And then when I was six, we moved overseas to Melbourne, Australia. Wow. Spent three and a half years there and then moved back to Houston. And I've been in Houston until went to Austin, UT for college. Yeah. And then back to Houston down in the city, living there while my husband was still finishing school okay. and been in Houston since. Yeah. yeah. So do you remember Australia much? Oh, yeah. yeah. So I was six through 10. Yeah. Those are some fun years. Yeah, it was 
beautiful, nice people, wonderful weather. You know, we lived close enough and it was kind of like one time a year where you could go to the beach one day and go skiing the next day. Uh, which awesome. you can't find that in many places. So that was amazing. <laughs> no um, you know, the mountains aren't anything like the Rockies or Canada. Right. Just some little little mountains, some little hills, something to learn on for sure. Yeah. But, yeah. A little more hilly than, yeah. and than Houston. Beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. No, I've never been to Australia. My mom actually travels to New Zealand every year. And while there's some similarities, obviously, there's a little bit, few differences. But nonetheless, Australia is definitely one on the radar. And they, they have quite a bit of oil and gas activity, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, would you ever consider going back, you think? or You know, if I stay with the company, there's opportunities to go into subsea. Yeah. You know, there's even shale markets over there. Yeah. We're exploring one right now. So potentially I would always put my name out there. Yeah. It sounds like you are a yes. <laughs> yes. Absolutely. Yeah. Yes. Do you hear that, John? That's a yeah. yes. <laughs> Awesome. Yeah. yeah, John, if you're listening, hey, the name's already in the hat. So make your job easy. You just got to pick. So no, that's really interesting. And so you mentioned earlier you were engineering and then you moved into sales. So, I mean, that must be a transition and a half because I know a lot of engineers that, you know, through the downturn ended up, you know, they were, well, there was drilling engineers, completion engineers, times get tough. Well, then you take what you can get and then they jump on the sales side, expecting a certain level of ease because they're engineers dealing with engineers which didn't turn out to be the case i would love to hear your perspective on on kind of how you navigated that and maybe your mindset shift going from you know engineering into sales because it's totally completely different roles you have to have a different mindset you have to look at things through a completely different lens so tell us a little about that because that's interesting yeah so my last engineering job before this last little project was quotations So I was working with the engineers and the salespeople for our customers, trying to put together what they wanted and what they would use to drill with. Mm -hmm. And so that kind of gave me a little bit of exposure, not the full exposure, right? Sure. And so then I went into working on this new project, the Drill Now project. Mm -hmm. In that, I got to work with our procurement teams and a little bit of our sales team, our marketing, and kind of figure out, you know, where we wanted to go. And so that was a little bit helped transition a little bit further. And then John just kind of called me and was like, look, you're killing it. We need to take advantage of it. Yeah. And so I want you to join the team. And he's like, I'll give you an option, this or this. And it was like, well, let me start over. You're not getting an option. You're starting, you're joining the team. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. So I've still kind of been transitioning, right? You know, unfortunately, most companies are having some some let goes right now. Yeah. And so we're all juggling multiple jobs. So I'm still doing a little bit of the engineering and still transitioning into sales. Okay. It has been, I will say, has been difficult yeah. <laughs> during COVID for sure because oh, I can't yeah. meet people in person. I'm just trying to get them on the phone, Zoom meetings, you know, emails. It's a little different. Yeah. <laughs> it's <laughs> there's a, no easy way around no, it. No, there's not. So still learning, you know, just diving in. Yeah. Is there is there anything that sort of kind of caught you off guard or that you that was sort of surprised to you that you didn't expect going on the sales side? I mean, anything stand out? I mean, obviously not getting in front of people is a challenge in itself, but just like I guess maybe the interaction or the the when you reach out to someone, maybe their, you know, their, their feedback to you yeah. or does anything really kind of hit you off guard and you're like, wow, okay, I was not expecting that or? Yeah. So, you know, a lot of times when you give a presentation, they don't really want to hear it. You know, that's mm-hmm. a lot of people we deal that with. <laughs> yeah. 
And it's interesting to see, you know, if you have something good to offer halfway through the the dynamic changes. Right. And so I've been in the conversations late in the game before where, you know, we've already already grabbed their attention Okay. and we're just ironing out the details and making it work better for them. I've never been in that first conversation until recently. And so in that first conversation, when you feel that dynamic change, you know, it's a whole different energy. Yeah. And that's really cool. And then the hard part is just trying to keep that momentum going to those next conversations. And so kind of translate that back internally to the team like hey guys you know we have this great opportunity we we got to stay on top of it and you know that that message isn't necessarily transferred as easily so that has been a little bit difficult but i've been fortunate that i was working with those teams before and right. so we have a trust and you know we work really well together and it's coming across better cool. so yeah cool so what would be the biggest word of advice for someone that is maybe about to embark on that same journey making the transition do you have any single words of advice oh man whether it's hang in there (laughs) yeah i mean hang in there probably right now COVID is a difficult time to transition to sales but if you work hard you know hopefully something will come out of it and Mm -hmm. you can only go up that's right no that's true and every opportunity presents an opportunity to learn and whether it's and that's one thing in sales especially i mean i've been in sales for since 2013 and i mean at the end of the day if you're working for a company you're always selling something and whether it's you know selling yourself or you know, selling your work to your boss, but, you know, selling to a potential customer certainly has its challenges, but take every no as an opportunity to learn and get better. And so, yeah, sales is not for the lighthearted or, <laughs> or, or thin skin because for sure. it, it, it's, it's a battle zone out there, especially right now where yeah. I mean, un- unconventionals, at least from, you know, my experience has commoditized a lot of things. And so, you know, coming in with, you know, something that adds value, it's the, a lot of times a customer could say, well, can your competitor say that? Because I heard the same thing. So <laughs> yeah, you gotta remind me again <laughs> where the value prop is, you know, and, and, yeah. and fortunately there, there are things out there, but uh, it's really preparing for those questions because it's pretty tough. So one thing I was going to ask you as well is, is obviously, you know, you grew up in an oil field family, you know, being a female in a male historically dominated industry. What kind of challenges have you experienced from that? And, and you know, I, I know I have some female friends that have been in industry and, and they have theirs and Flipping the Barrel podcast is ran by a couple of ladies who have, you know, gone through, you know, the challenges of being a female in, in the oil and gas industry. I'm curious if you'd be willing to share any anything that you've experienced or any word of advice for, say, females that maybe are a little hesitant to get into oil and gas. If you have anything that you'd like to share to encourage just yeah. more talent females to come into yeah. the industry. So I was fortunate that my mom worked oil and gas. Yeah. She was a geophysicist. And so male dominated a little bit, probably not as much as engineering. Sure. But she worked for 30 something years. And so that was a great role model. And she never, you know, she never let that hold her back. So that's what I had to work from. Yeah. I grew up kind of being around guys anyways. I do have an identical twin sister. Oh, you do? Um, okay. Yeah. <laughs> but we are not girly girls, okay. <laughs> which is funny cuz I feel like I'm raising one now. Oh yeah. But yeah, we we played sports. I went to a science and math program in in high school and then, you know, engineering in college, you're always surrounded by guys and yeah. I wasn't a sorority in college just to be around girls. <laughs> yeah. But I feel like guys are kind of easier to work with. Sure. Yeah, you know, they're a little difficult sometimes, but <laughs> 
you know, as long as you prove that you have something to offer and you're smart and you know what you're talking about, then they're going to respect you. 100%. And, you know, as long as you earn the respect and then work hard, mm-hmm. you'll get where you want to get to. So that's the advice I would yeah. offer. No, sure. and, and that's simple, clean, and to the point. And yeah, like you said earlier, if, if you just work hard, you know, you'll only go up. And so, you know, something my dad always told me is it's funny how lucky you get if you work hard. And because, you know, I always grow up, oh, they're so lucky they have this or they're so lucky they get to do that. And he said, you know, if you work hard, you can achieve whatever or get whatever it is that you want out of life. But you you can't, nothing is is a handout. Yeah. No, my dad always said, you make your own luck. Yeah. Hey, that's the same. Falls right in line. That's a good one. I love it. But no, I appreciate you sharing that. You know, right now there's, there's a lot of good efforts being made to, you know, just make sure that there's essentially quality across the industry and and i think it's extremely important and for someone like yourself who's crushing it obviously and doing well i just wanted to get your insight on that so of course one thing i've been really wanting to hear about is drill now i waited a little bit because i want to get you know get to know you a little bit better but tell us a little bit about drill now that's something that's recently come to the market and just yeah if you don't mind share a little bit about what you know people can expect coming down the pipeline Yeah, so Drill Now is our wellhead portfolio for surface North America. Okay. And we've been in the industry since the 1930s. The biggest thing we hear from our customers or our potential customers is that they don't know that we're in the market. So, you know, it's not necessarily new technology. It's stuff that's been around for a while. But with Drill Now, we're trying to bring it to the front of everyone's attention and say, hey, look, we've been here. We're here for you moving forward. Traditionally, we've been kind of more project-based with some very strategic customers and our technology has gotten us really far. With Drill Now, what we've been focusing on is standardizing and speed and versatility and safety. Cool. And so, you know, just making the offering a little bit more cohesive across the place. A lot of the operators, they don't operate in just one shale market. And a lot of times their forecasting isn't you know, as accurate as they'd like it to be. So if we have the versatility to switch a production hanger or a head from one one area to another, it's saving them money. It's saving us because, you know, we can forecast better. So, you know, just improving their operations, improving safety, you know, with our, our BOP connector that's been in the market for a while, our lock rings. Yeah, that's just kind of bringing what we already had to everyone's attention and then highlighting some some improvements that we've made. Yeah, and that's what it's all about is just constant never-ending improvements on on what's existing. And one thing that I found cool, I forget who I was interviewing with you guys, but a lot of what you guys are doing is because you have so many fingers in so many different areas of the industries is now finally integrating a lot of them, whether it was technology that came from offshore or, you know, in other parts of the world or being able to, you know, act as one and integrate everything into, you know, a lot of what's happening and, you know, especially in unconventionals, it sounds like it's just, there's so much opportunity. And you mentioned the safety aspect too. I think, you know, there's a lot of initiative right now is just how far can we go to get people out of the field, you know, less trucks, less people. And, you know, when it comes back to automation and, and so it sounds like, you know, there's a little bit of offering with that too, with regards to the drill now system. And so is it, so, and I guess for me, I'm curious because I'm a drilling guy. So it, is it wellhead technology or is it just, for, is it a bunch of pieces that are sort of, is it like a new type of wellhead or? Yeah. So our Unihead system is what we offer. 
We have a few different systems, UH2, UHS, UH2S, depending on how many strings you're running, your pressures that you're trying to gain. And that's kind of been around for a while. We've made some improvements, slimmed down to improve costs for our customers, especially right now. Everyone wants to save money. (laughs) Yeah. And then, you know, just improved our services as well. We have the ability to save our operators a lot of money with our offline cementing capabilities. We can That's offline, huge. yeah, we can offline cement um, every string, which a lot of people can't. So that's huge. And then, you know, just like I said, with our quick connect, just any little bit of operational savings that we can create time yeah. savings. It's a big deal. Yeah, no, that's, I mean, people are counting minutes right now, right? And so I guess that would be one of the questions I have is a lot of times with new technology or, or new applications, there's there's always some upfront capital, but then the total cost of ownership through, you know, the life cycle of whatever it is ends up being more cost effective or it makes sense more from an economic standpoint. But is it hard kind of approaching people with something like this? I mean, what are some of the challenges that you face with I mean, considering that, you know, obviously we've got COVID going on, so people are maybe less likely to meet. I mean, are there any major hurdles or pushback right now from people? for sure. So we're always trying to improve. Like I said, we have really fantastic engineers and their brains don't turn off ever. (laughs) So they're always coming with ideas. And so, you know, there's been some pushback of saying, look, show me, you know, show me where that adds value to our customers. Mm -hmm. And so we've been doing that with, a lot of with drill now we've been improving what we already had yeah and kind of consolidating it so we had offerings you know we've standardized on rotating hangers and we already had that but it wasn't necessarily being run everywhere so that helps you know you don't have to rotate if you don't want to but if you'd like to you can yeah so that helps there has been a little bit of pushback like i said but we also have strategic partnerships and a lot of times they have ideas and they say hey what can you do yeah and i think Corey had said on your podcast the answer is never no we can always come up with something you know that's always been our motto internally and absolutely so yeah it's been pretty pretty good so far good no it sounds like you guys have a lot of traction and one thing you mentioned is strategic partnerships that goes a long ways and that's one thing that i value tremendously is some of the customers that i have you know, they consider us as partners. We consider them as partners. We win together. We lose together. Sometimes we take a little bit more of the blame, which is normal for a service <laughs> company. But at the end of the day, we're working together to achieve the same goal. And, you know, if we perform, then they perform. And, and at the end of the day, we drill more wells. And if we can do it on a more cost effectively, at the end of the day, in the long run, that's what counts, right? And so it sounds like that's certainly the vision you guys have there. I mean, one thing I'm curious about more from a, you know, a personal standpoint is, is what do you love most about your job? Like you said, you know, you and I forget you mentioned earlier is, you know, if, if you continue doing something, as long as you wake up and you're excited to go to work, you know, that's what it's all about. And it, it turns into more, uh, you know, fun than, in, than in a job, you know, per se. So what do you love most about when you wake up and you're going to work? What's the one thing that keeps the spark going for you? Yeah, for me, it's a puzzle. Every day is a puzzle. So I don't know what I'm going to get. Yeah. Don't know who I'm going to talk to. But at the end of the day, I hope it all comes together. Yeah. So, you know, that's kind of the way I look at it. Sometimes it's the engineering pieces, sometimes it's the sales pieces, but I'm trying to make it work for my customers and give them the best opportunity that they can get. So that's what, that's what keeps it interesting. No, that's perfect. So is there anything out there that not many people know about you? I mean, like you said, you're a pretty open book. You're, you know, I don't know if you're adventurous or what, but do you have any interesting hobbies or anything outside of, you know, work, being a mom, being a wife? (laughs) Are you allowed to have something outside of this? (laughs) Right. A lot of us don't, but you know, maybe something when you were younger or I mean, surely there's um, something interesting outside. Yeah, my husband and I love to travel. You know, once we had kids, we said, we're not going to let them slow us down. We're going to take them with us. Yeah. Last 
last year we went to Iceland with what? a six month old and a two and a half year old. Wow. So yeah, we're definitely taking it to heart. Good for you. We can't wait till we get to go somewhere else again. <laughs> <laughs> I know. We're itching to. Yeah, we were supposed to go to Hawaii in May. That got canceled. We did escape recently to Montana. Did some hiking in Montana, Hawaii. Yeah, I know. Potato, potato. <laughs> but, it was, but it was a good escape from the heat, from the Texas heat. Anything sure. <laughs> anything away is good. Yeah. So that's pretty cool. How did you guys stumble upon Montana? Like, So my in-laws had decided to go there and then they invited us to come. Oh, nice. Which is worked out perfect because they watched the kids at least one of the days and oh. we went on a long like 15 mile hike yeah so that was guys. that was really good yeah so yeah just we like to travel like don't, don't want to slow down and yeah <laughs> unless there's a pandemic <laughs> nothing's slowing you down <laughs> right yeah that's been a little hard <laughs> yeah, no kidding. so i'm curious tell me about iceland like just briefly i've never been but i i've seen pictures and i mean i've heard it's beautiful it was so my parents are geologists and yeah. we went with my family. Oh yeah. So, you know, that's like right up their alley. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, all the volcanoes. It was really cool. Beautiful. I don't think other than I've been to New Zealand before and that is very green. But yeah. I think Iceland was greener. Really? Uh -huh. I think Iceland is ice. <laughs> no. Like, and that's yeah. so pure that's ignorance, what everyone right? Thinks. But, yeah. <laughs> there were so many waterfalls that my two year old said, Can we see? I don't want to see any more waterfalls. Like, oh, can we wow. do something else? <laughs> um, That's crazy. The beaches, because they're all volcanic, they're black sand. So that was really cool. Different experience. I think that was what? the first beach that my kids had been to. And so it was no black way. sand. Yeah. Wow, what a neat yeah. experience. Yeah, the food, not very good. Not very good. So what would be a typical meal for um, if you were to go up there? So fish. Uh, fish. Yeah, they eat horse. What? Um, yeah, they have farms everywhere. Yeah. We didn't try any. <laughs> I've never heard of yeah. horse being ate. I mean, they, yeah, it's like, I guess, one of their main industries, and they ship it to Europe. It's eaten a lot in Europe. Yeah, what? I learned that while I was there. <laughs> that is, I would never knew that. Yeah. Horse. Yeah. I wonder what part of the horse that, I mean, obviously, like the meat around the legs, there's probably a lot of, because they, they seem so lean to me. They were some chunky horses. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Wow. <laughs> Yeah, no, it was Do definitely they, like, an interesting culture. Cook it like a steak? Like, I or? don't know. We didn't we didn't try any of it. <sighs> now I'm curious. I'm not, I don't know if I'd try it. I'm not sure they even had any on their menus because, yeah. So it wasn't at the restaurant. It's more of like a local thing? Yeah, no, it was more like that's their business. That's what they ship out. Yeah. What? Yeah. I wonder if when they ship it to Europe, <laughs> Europe calls it Something beef I don't chicken. know. <laughs> <laughs> the old Iceland mystery. Yeah, meat. no. So, <laughs> no, the people Crazy. were super, super friendly. Yeah. Uh, it's pretty small. It's grown, obviously, with tourism, but yeah. most everyone knows people in their area pretty well. That is too It was cool. a really cool place to visit. Absolutely. Wow. That is very interesting. I learned something new today. <laughs> uh, well, one last question I have before we close out here. Is there a message you'd like to relay, assuming everyone in energy is listening right now? Any words of advice? I mean, I know you hinge hard on just working hard, but is there anything out there to give people hope? I mean, obviously, right now, times are tough. You know, you work for a company where I'm sure there's a lot of leaders who have their, you know, optimist glasses on and, and to give some hope and stuff like that. But yeah, if, if there's people out there who are just kind of in the dumps, I mean, do you have anything to, to relay to anyone out there? So I'm a glass half full kind of person. Okay. You know, you can always, it's always going to be better. You make the day what it's going to be. Mm -hmm. And, you know, if we think this is the low, then everything's going to get better from here. You know, the industry... It's got a lot to offer. I think we all know that. Mm -hmm. I think we're all passionate and excited about it. And it'll come back. 
you know, just a matter of time. Hopefully it'll be Q1 of next year. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. what I'm hoping for. I think that's what some of our business partners are hoping for. Yeah. We'll see. Right. Hey, I love it. Half glass full. And if you have that mindset and that perspective, at the end of the day, things usually go pretty well. So, well, that's awesome. So before we close out, I'd like to take a moment to tell everyone about some upcoming OGGN events. This is Savannah, and here are the events on deck for September 2020. There's the FPSO World Congress 2020, and that's on September 1st to the 4th, and also the 8th, and it's all online. The next one is Building the Future Industrial Summit on September the 16th, and that's also online. There's also the 4th Annual Blockchain and Oil and Gas Conference 2020, and that's on September the 16th to the 18th. Then there's the Engenius Symposium and Exhibition for Upstream Innovation 2020, and that's September the 22nd to the 24th. And there's also Effective Leadership Through Change and Uncertainty featuring Condoleezza Rice, and that's on September the 24th. There's also NAEP Summer 2020 from August 11th to September the 14th. And lastly, there's BP Week 2020, September 14th to 16th. That's all for September. Hope you guys have a great month and thanks for tuning in. Great. Thank you. And anyone out there in the Houston area interested in playing oil field hockey, come join the Hack and Wet crew for some old timer hockey. We're doing it every two weeks at Memorial City Mall Ice Rink. Hit me up on LinkedIn for more details. Carly, thank you so much for joining me today. I had a great conversation. I really enjoyed that. What's the best way for people to reach out to get to know more about either if they have questions for you or if they want to get to know more about Drill Now? I mean, what's the best way to reach out? Is it LinkedIn or yeah. email? Yeah, so we're about to release the Drill Now campaign. Cool. Or when this airs, it might part of it should already be released. Yeah, well, I'm hoping um, to release it next week. Yeah, so. so I think we're kicking off this week. Awesome. And... You know, you can always reach me on LinkedIn. Our emails, I think, are on there as well. Yeah, um, so I'll put your LinkedIn link on the show notes, yeah. and then people can just go there and navigate and yeah. and reach out if they have any questions. Yeah. Hopefully, there's someone out there that's in need of a drill now system. You never know. Yeah, absolutely. Awesome. Well, that's good. Well, again, thank you so much. Thank you to TechNip FMC. You guys have been a great sponsor, and nothing but success here on in. And always remember, everybody out there, when the density's up and the gas is down, open the choke. Let's go to town. Thanks, everybody. Thanks again for listening. Tune in next week for another episode of Oil & Gas Onshore, a production of Oil & Gas Global Network. For more information, visit OGGN.com.